0: Welcome to King's Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about King's Church, visit kcnyc.org. So here we are in Galatians, gang, and we have been teaching through the book of Galatians. And the, Galatians, the book of Galatians is about the gospel. It's about um, the danger uh, in Christianity to import systems and tell you that the systems make you righteous, and the gospel tells us No. The work of the cross justifies you. That makes you righteous before God. There's a lot more that comes after that that you do. There's a big adventure to have. But initially, justification doesn't come from the law, doesn't come from being right on politics, which we are, doesn't come from all of those things, but it comes from Jesus. Amen? Uh, A point on that, just for clarification. Um, I was at Mar-a-Lago a a lot of times in the last week. Uh, But one of the times I was there was, I shall talk about the other time later in the message, one of the the earlier times I was there, there was all these conservatives around, and about half of them are believers, and I I like them, and about half of them are are just dirty pirates. And I remember just being so slimed outside of this conversation, that I was like, no, Lord, please kill us all. If these are the people, the, these are the conservatives that are like we're, we're fighting for, please send the comment and kill all of us now. Actually, I changed my mind kill us all. Because just because you're of a political party doesn't mean you're righteous, right with God. Are you out of your mind? Like So that's some of the kickback I get when we go to these kind of things. Like, oh, how dare you bring... No, we're bringing Jesus there. (laughs) We're not bringing their mess here. We're bringing Jesus there. We're the light of the world. Where we go, we go to dark places to bring Jesus. That's what we do. Can I get an amen? Amen. So um, what did that have to do with Galatians? Nothing at all. But my point was that in Galatians, we're talking about justification. We're justified by Jesus, not by anything else, not by our style or our fashion or our whatever it is. We're justified by Jesus. We're made righteous by Jesus. We get to walk with God and receive all of the suitcase of benefits and blessings therein because we walk with Jesus. Amen? Okay, let's jump into this first verse. And uh, you know it's vision offering, so how am I going to wrangle that in there? You'll see in a minute. But. I want to talk about this first verse because it's a really powerful verse, and I I get bored with stuff super easily, and I don't, you know, people, everybody likes to diagnose things as ADHD or whatever it is, it's just like, I'm done with Galatians, I'm just bored with it at this point, but, so I actually have to go smaller instead of going bigger, because the point of Galatians is this, the gospel, now you know the point, you know. What's after Galatians? Ephesians, first and second Corinthians, Galatians and Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, first and second Thessalonians, first and second Timothy, Titus and Ephesians, Hebrews, James, first and second Peter, first and second and third Jude, Jude and Revelation. You got to do it. You got to know the song. You got to figure it out. You know, got to figure it out. Um, but we're going tinier, so I can be interested, but also because. Often when you go broad, you, get, you miss the details here. And this is a very important detail that Paul would, would almost shout this first verse in chapter 3, calling the church foolish Galatians. You know, oh, you foolish Galatians. Like, that's super offensive. You know, one of the things I learned about, big, about growing big churches it's don't offend anybody. That's one of the things I've learned. At any cost, don't offend anybody. And so my friends that have big churches, the reason they avoid talking about sexuality, the reason they avoid talking about race, the reason they avoid talking about finance, the reason they avoid the controversial subjects is they don't want to offend anybody. But it's like, we're called to be Christians, so we look to the Bible for our course of dealings, for our method of behavior. But Paul is not super nice right here. Amen? Like, Paul is insanely harsh. You know... I, I, sometimes I think like today, if um, someone heard, Julie Roys from the Roys Report found out about, does anybody know who that is? Okay, good. The rest of you, don't look. Don't, you don't need to be defiled. But uh, the Roys Report found out that a pastor said to a parishioner, you're a foolish XYZ. That would go up on all of the stuff. Oh my God, manipulative, abusive you know, harsh language is used to shake people out of where they are. That's what the purpose of it is for. Jesus is not using harsh language to the Pharisees all throughout the New Testament because he hates them. It's because he loves them, but being nice is gone. Like, that doesn't work anymore. At some part, your, uh, point, your heart is so calcified that kindness is no longer working, and you need to crack people with the whip so they can wake up and say, is, is this possible? And we have a culture that's been just the life hugged out of them by the church. And so they don't even realize that we're allowed to say harsh things. So if somebody says somebody, something harsh, it freaks everybody out. Now, let me tell you the other side of that, which is dangerous. If you only have a harsh person, there's usually something wrong with their heart. And that's not who Jesus was. He was super harsh sometimes. And then he was super gentle sometimes. You know, when I go into especially heavily charismatic Uh, communities, there's zero harshness, zero correction. And then I go into the Baptist communities, uh, and I preach there, and there's like zero grace and gentleness. And I'm like, come on, guys. Jesus does both phenomenally. Incredible grace and mercy for the sinner and the broken, the transvestite, the prostitute. Incredible mercy for the for the, the one who takes all the secularity. Like, incredible grace! And then cracks the whip on the religious, the existentially content, the people that think they have it all figured out. He cracks them. And um, we have to be okay with that? We are, right? We're okay with that? Amen? Yeah. Not that I'm going to do it this morning, but... Um, I just wanted to point that out. Paul is Paul's very harsh in this letter. I think it's his harshest letter... Uh, in the New Testament. And he later is going to tell um, the people that he w- hopes the Judaizers cut their, their genitals off. Uh, that's how insane he gets with the language. So I, I, I'm not going to say that. He can, that's for Paul. That's not, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole trail. Rabbit hole trail. All right, so let's look at this, this next part, point. It says this, "Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? And this is the point, is that Christians can get bewitched. And oftentimes we think, well, I'm, because I'm a Christian, I'm not going to get bewitched. I'm, you know, I'm, I have some kind of defensive zone, some kind of invisible barrier that's going to stop me from getting deceived and bewitched. And Galatians, the church starts, Paul helps start the church with Galatians. He leaves and the Judaizers come in and they trick everybody. They're deceived. And the idea of bewitchment here um, in the Greek word, this is the only time this word is used in all of the New Testament. And it 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 means that a spell is cast over and that the people have been tempted by their own envy and vanity. And that's incredible because often we get tempted by our own envy and vanity to believe insane and wrong things. Um, Man, I think that happened so clearly with the BLM movement. Like the leaders were literally pouring out drink offerings to demons and and chanting that these demons would fill their souls, the the heads of the thing, and Christians are like, no, it's good, it's a good movement. You're like, "Nah, you've been bewitched. You've been persuaded by vanity and envy, and you've allowed a bewitching spirit to get a hold of you. And so... Um, we all get bewitched, and I think New York is a, is a, is a bewitching town. I really do. I think uh, when people come to New York, like they spend way more money than they thought they were going to. You know? They're like, ah, you really shouldn't see this show. And then it's like, ah, you really shouldn't go out to dinner here. And then you're in debt for the rest of your life. Because you came... Times Square is a bewitching place. The lights, the, the sparkle, the magic of it all. Like, it's, it's about putting people under a spell. And what does the spell primarily say? It says, life is about you. It's about you and your purposes and all of the ads, your empowerment, you're going to look better. I I go to this gym where, you know, you go and the branding is all like, you're a god, temple stuff. It's really gross. I got to go there because if I pay the $30 fee, I won't go to the gym. If I pay a fee that's higher, it's painful that I have to go to the gym. So (laughs) that's why I have to go there. But the whole culture of New York City is about the worship of self and Christians get bewitched in this city and believe they're here for themselves. I came here for my career. I came here for my success. I came here for my fame. I came here to make it. That's bewitchment. The kingdom of God is not primarily about you. It's primarily about Jesus. Amen? So, um, I... I was just so encouraged by our team of, Alan just said it, 40 people that served um, for free, for nothing, that they poured their hearts out, that they sacrificed, that they served the house of God. Um, And it was so excellent. I had my friend, whose name is James O'Keefe, whether you know him or not, that doesn't matter, but he's a very famous news personality, knows production very well, and and he just kept turning and said, I can't believe the production level of your church your little church, that people serve this deeply, they pour out this much, that there's this much excellence. And I'm like, they love Jesus. And he's like, I'm kind of on my path. I'm like, I know, I'll drag you down the path a little further (laughs) to Jesus. And that's the point of it. Hey Derek, are you ready to run that video? Let's show one of these videos from our church production. It was so incredible. Are you a 20 to 30 year old feeling bored, restless, lacking purpose, tired of living for the weekend, bar hopping, and working from home, questioning if there's a deeper meaning. There is hope in corporate pharmaceuticals. Introducing Secularitin, a new drug designed to prevent your yearnings for purpose, existential meaning, and the call to be reconciled to your creator. So you can keep scrolling, clubbing, and avoiding responsibility long into your 40s. Scientists have discovered a breakthrough method to prevent thoughts of hope, love, and higher purpose using just 14 pills a day. Before starting Secularidin, I was thinking about changing my life, by volunteering my time, going to church, or just coming into contact with a human baby. Not anymore. Why do I need a kid when my whole life can be an extended adolescence? Thanks, Secularidin. With Secularidin, I'm not looking for meaning anymore. Now I just sort of stare at the wall until sleep overtakes me. I'm gonna be a dog mom. Side effects include mild to severe nihilism. Constantly mentioning how your dog is a rescue. An uncontrollable need to mention your yoga retreat in casual conversation. Marrying a pet, houseplant, rock, or appliance. Considering spirit animal discussions a legitimate form of bonding. Feeling personally attacked when someone doesn't recycle, wear a mask, or get vaccinated. Overuse of the word manifest in daily conversations. Dying alone. Secularity it's sleepy time for your soul. Let's give a hand for the team. Farrah told me on the way here that they, th- this is literally the seculariton. Isn't this incredible? Like the level, level of detail. Taylor, you were amazing and you look beautiful and I love you so much. Thank you. But the whole production, the whole team, everybody, like it's such an incredible sense of the excellence of your soul poured out to Jesus. It is so incredible. And I just want you to know how the universe works. When you do things excellently, the Lord raises you up. When you pour out your excellence to God, when you're not bewitched by the culture of nihilism, of me, of narcissism, and you wake up from that and you begin to pour yourself out, God is going to lift up our whole church, our media department, our drama department. Can we give them a hand again for the incredible job they did? It says this direction to take 14 pills daily for best results, take with copious amounts of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> and then it says uses temporarily reduces use urges related to existential meaning, personal responsibility, calls to higher purpose. I just am so I just love this. Becky, thank your mom. Where's Becky at anyway? Is she here this morning or she'll see her later? Second service. Okay. So we'll say thank you to Becky's mom for this. Sacrifice. And sacrificial giving is a big deal for God. Giving your best is a big deal for God. It's like, oh, we don't want to offend people. We don't want to tell people to give sacrificially. We don't want to tell people to give their best. Oh, oh, they'll be offended. Genesis 4.4 is the first time we see a sacrifice from man to God. The first time in the scripture, and this is what it says. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock, the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Some some translations don't use this language from Abel, fat portions, because we don't understand it contextually. Uh, some translations say the best. Uh, the newer ones say the best. The fat Portion of the best lamb, the fat represented the best part of it. I know like we've been lied to by the FDA about the food triangle thing, pyramid. Um, But in ancient time, and for the history of most of mankind, the fat was considered the best possible part. Now we have these low-fat, idiotic diets, and we, you know, I don't want to go into me as a scientific doctor as related to dietitianing. Right now, I'll save that for later. when, when Abel gives the fat portions from the firstborn of his flock, it's saying, I'm giving the best part of the best part. Usually the first part, we're like, oh man, I'm finally safe. I got to hold this back. You know what I mean? Like, here's my buffer. I'm finally safe. No, the first part, the firstborn of the flock and the best part, which is the fat, I give that to God. And God was pleased by the heart of Abel. And Cain just doesn't, It says, like, there's a contrast. There's a lot of stupidity in the theology circles about this, the Cain verse. They're like, oh, God just, uh, let me clarify this. There's a lot of stupidity in the reform circles where they'll just say, oh, God just at random chooses. There there wasn't an action that was better or or lesser. That's not true. The language in the initial language, uh, understanding in the East was this was the best of the best. And then it contrasts with this word, verse 5, but Cain... And his offering, he did not look with favor. But Cain had a lesser offering. He did not bring the best of the best to the Lord. The Lord's not arbitrarily mean. He actually cares about what we do with our life. And so this sacrifice, the beauty of the sacrifice is when we sacrifice, um, God blesses it. God honors it. And it's a principle from the beginning of the Scripture to the end of the Scripture. And there was a time in the history of mankind where the people of God were so committed to the ways of God that they were building for centuries the house of God. Do you know uh, some of the cathedrals took hundreds of years? The the, the oldest cathedral, the longest, uh, took 600 years to build the cathedral, giving their absolute best to build in that time frame the most beautiful possible thing that existed on the earth. Have you ever been through uh, Western Europe before and walked around those tiny towns? It's like tiny, ugly shop, tiny, ugly shop. Immense, incredible, profound cathedral. And it represents that people were giving and serving and sacrificing to the house of God because they believed it was that powerful. And the art and beauty was persuasive upon the soul. One of the things I hate about Christian art and Christian music and it's like, we all get like the B-side, it's like B-side Hallmark movies. It's like, it's not the best of the best of the best. When I see what our community is doing with the resources we have, I'm like, this is the best. This is the, for us, this is the firstborn of the fat. This is absolutely excellent. And really, I mean, even that commercial could go up against literally any conservative funny commercial of today. I mean, am I right? I'm not. This is not like me with a tr- being tricked by by my own church here, right? <laughs> <laughs> Revelation 21:18. This is what God's house looks like up upstairs. The walls were made of jasper. In the city of pure gold as pure as glass, the foundation of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, second sapphire. And then it goes on to tell of these 12 stones that make up the foundation. Like, this is the crazy part about about heaven. You may have heard this before. The dirt is gold there, you know. And it's not just gold. It's the purest possible form of gold. The foundations under the dirt, where we don't even care to look, it's like rock and grow stuff down there, is all jewels. The, The picture that God gives people is like, even the lowest place is jeweled and dazzlingly brilliant. And that's what the kingdom of heaven is supposed to be. And when Jesus said in Luke chapter 11 to pray the Lord's Prayer, he said, pray that the kingdom would come here on earth as like it is in heaven. That the house of God would be that beautiful and that excellent. That we would desire that. And that's my deepest dream. That's why I'm anti-rapture theology that we're not going to be around in five minutes because of war in Israel. Because my dream is to build a cathedral for God. And I don't even mean necessarily like bricks and mortar. That can be a part of it. But like there is a group of believers that are building beautiful, magnificent, excellent things for the kingdom of God. Chapter 3, verse 1. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Um, whenever people come in with this kind of, it's all about me attitude, like they just, it's a movie theater attitude. I get it. I'm not mad at it. Please understand that. But it's like, I'm going to the movie theater. I'm there for me. I get entertained and I leave. That attitude, that's just the normal secular entertainment attitude. You just get that. Uh, But Jesus lives the life that's all about serving the father. His entire life is about serving the father. His, His life is the opposite about. Of about him and Philippians chapter 2 verse 6 says it in the most profound way it says who though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but he emptied himself taking the form of a servant everybody say servant. servant being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death even death on a cross Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name above every name, at the name of Jesus. Every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And this is the calculation that I just told you about moments ago, that the greatest servant gets lifted up to the highest place. That is the formula in the kingdom of God. You want to get lifted up? And I do. Jesus says to the disciples, who wants to be the greatest among you? And then he doesn't answer that with, how dare you, right? He says, who wants to be the greatest among you? That, the person that serves the most people will be the greatest among you. It's exactly the opposite message of every billboard in Times Square. It's exactly the opposite message of all of the ads. That's why the secularitan thing is such a genius concept, because we have a multi-billion dollar industry about making you feel good by just feeling good, not by serving or sacrificing or giving of yourself. It's just like, it's going to be feel better for you just to do drugs to make you feel better. No, it's actually going to put you in bondage and death and isolation and shame, and you're going to be locked in these patterns, and you're going to be like Jordan Peterson, losing your mind because you think the secular world has some kind of system of freedom. It doesn't. It has bondage. Worship team, you can come on up. I want to tell a story uh, from eight years ago. Eight years ago, I was in front of a judge named Arthur N'Gorin. Has that, anybody heard that guy's name in the news recently, Judge Ngoren? Nobody. He's the judge that uh, the Trump family is in front of here in New York County Court um, where they're undergoing one of the many trials against their family. And I was in front of N'Goran and I had a, a bench trial and I was representing a, a client that was pretty crazy. And eight years ago, we had, you know, we had kind of just got here. We'd been here for a little while. And my law practice is just starting. And this client was so crazy, she kept getting up and yelling in the middle of trial. And I turned to her and I said, if you do that again, whispered in her ear gently and softly, if you do that again, I will leave this courtroom and abandon you here and never come back. And then like two minutes later, she's jumping up again. <laughs> it didn't work at all. Anyway, so we end up losing the, the trial because she's a lunatic. And um, the judge says, Mr. Englehart, you, uh, anyway, long story, the, the trial got over, the, the appellate court overruled Ngorn's decision because he was wrong and I was right. That's neither here nor there. Um, I had a, a $8,000 bill outstanding on that client and it was all I was working on the month before. And it was a week before Christmas. It was right now, uh, eight years ago and we didn't have any money to pay for Christmas or for, for rent coming up in January. And I had bought the boys' skis because maybe earlier in a couple of months before that, I um, really wanted to take him skiing. And so there were these two, Goldie wasn't born yet, there were these two little sets of skis on the, uh, on the washing machine, and it was snowing and You know, I'm standing there after the case, and the client tells me they're not going to pay me anything. I don't even know how I'm going to pay the rent in January. And it's like, there's certain things, like at certain times, there's certain things that just hit your heart hard. And staring at the skis on the washing machine just just about did me in. And we had moved here to plant a church and do law and save the place, you know. And it just look like, God, there is no hope. And we had just poured everything out. It's like, I don't even have anything left to pour out anymore, Lord. And we were driving with the family last night and I just asked the, the kids in Bethany to stop and, so we could pray and just thank God for his blessing. We were, I mean, we were our finances are great now. Our church is phenomenal. Our our media stuff is so, I'm so proud of. I just was having dinner with the president of the United States of America a couple of days ago. You know, it's like the, the, the place that God has raised us up and taken us is like, is like a fairy tale story. I have pastors that are like DMing me like, you know, how can I get there? How can you get me there? How can I get a seat at that table? And I've I was snarkier, I would have answered, pour yourself out. And I would say, it's going to be painful at points, and then it's going to be absolutely beautiful and unlike anything you've ever imagined. And Jesus says, he who gives up family or houses or land for my kingdom will receive that and much more in this life and the life to come, both. And so we have a vision offering that we're going to receive. Stand up with me, church, this morning. And um, we have a really big vision for this church. We have an uh, ex- exciting physical space that we're going to get. We have this Lucid News thing that we already have tens of thousands of views on. Did you, anybody see Derek's testimony on that? Ashley did such an amazing job with that. Um, we're going to have a bunch of other famous people on doing testimonies in the coming months. Um God's doing all of the stuff in part because we've been obedient and poured out and his favor is on us. And so as we receive the vision offering this morning, I invite you to pour yourself out to the Lord. Just like the first sacrifice, that we wouldn't be bewitched by this culture, but that like Jesus we would pour out. Amen, church. Lord, we thank you this morning for the opportunity to follow Jesus. And God, not in manipulation, but in love and adoration, God, we give to you in this vision offering this morning, Lord, and we ask you to bless our church mightily in the years to come, God, that we would build cathedrals in our day and age digital cathedrals that's that's actually what I that's what I have in my spirit digital cathedrals for the kingdom of heaven that people would look and say I can't believe how beautiful this is and it's all directed at the beauty of God Lord we thank you for it in Jesus name amen hey thanks for listening to today's podcast Acts twenty twenty seven says for I have not hesitated to proclaim the whole council of God. And that's something that we're trying to do at King's Church. We're trying to steward God's word and share it to a generation. If you want to partner in us sharing the whole counsel of God's truth, please text KCNYC to 77977 and partner with us here at King's Church to get God's message, his whole counsel, all over the place on podcasts and on radio and around the world. So believers like you would be encouraged. Thanks.